0: Text. We are starting a new sermon series, um, which is 1 John 1 through 4. We're going to be doing 1 John. It's a beautiful passage. This can be found on the inside of your books. 1 John 1 through 4. This is a letter John wrote to churches to encourage them in faith. Imagine that it's coming to you. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The word of the Lord. Joy, God. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with this concept known as internet dating. I'm a little bit out of the loop, okay? I've been married 19 years, so uh, it's amazing as I see the statistics now on how people start relationships. Internet dating.
1: And in fact, there's
0: a host of different sites you can come to to find that special someone. Christian Mingle, for instance. Christian Cafe. Amigos for Latin singles. j Day for Jewish singles. Asian people meet, if you're trying to meet an Asian person. And Shadi for Indian singles. Pretty exciting, isn't it? There's these places you can go, and they've even got so sophisticated that they even have virtual dating, okay? where you can go and meet and chat in a romantic virtual cafe in Paris or a Caribbean resort. I'm thinking to myself, could I maybe set a date with my wife and go to this and do this exact same thing? It's very interesting, you know, this trying to communicate and find that special someone, and it's a neat way to do things. But another element has come to the forefront that's always been, you know, in the real world that has moved on to the digital world. And that's what we call impression management. You know, a large component of online dating is profiling yourself. And they've had these studies where participants have said they've often found themselves scrutinizing and laboring over what to write in their description and private messages. Often composing it again and again to create that perfect picture. In one study, it was found that 9 out of 10 participants had lied on at least one attribute the most lied about and age was the least. Often the lies are slight, but they still illustrate the difference that new media has created in relationships. You know, sooner or later comes that moment of truth, right? When what you've communicated online is personified in media, because there's nothing like an eyewitness viewing to establish and corroborate that which you think. Same thing in law, isn't it? The the witness of an eyewitness carries a tremendous amount of testimony, And that's why everyone's looking for that eyewitness. See, we look for eyewitnessing in dating and criminal cases, and we also look for it with God. See, with God, we're trying to understand who is this person that has sent us some sort of message that we believe is out there somewhere. And we're looking for some sort of experience where we could know Him and come to Him. And much like our online dating profile, we want to put our best foot forward, don't we? Paint a beautiful picture of who we are so when God, if He wants to ever, comes to meet us, He will be satisfied. But for the most part, with the gods, the pantheon of gods in the world, there's never been an eyewitness. Never been anyone who's seen God. And so we have this vague notion of who this one in the sky might be. This one, and we don't really understand who He is. And if you preview religion all around the world, you see these. Rituals and bizarre practices in order to try to talk. But the best we can get is something with a person that's far away. But you see, that's where Christianity is different. See, the prophets of all the religions that have come, the major religions, they have come and said, I know the way. But Jesus has come and said, I am the way. Other religions have said, I know the path to God. And Jesus has said, I am God. God has paid us a visit. And because of that, these people who are writing to us have seen what He is like. And they paint a beautiful and astonishing picture of this one God who has come into the world. Because they have an eyewitness account of the one who has come near. And they want to communicate to us too who this one is. And what's even more amazing is that the message itself can give us a deeper relationship and understanding of this one who has come. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could reach out and touch the face of God? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could understand how He felt about us, what He wanted to communicate of us, for us, what He wanted us to be and Him to be in our lives? We need an eyewitness account. And that's exactly what is going on here in this book of 1 John. Because what's going on here is that the presence of Christ in their life has brought their proclamation to us. Number one, the presence of God in their lives has brought their proclamation to us. But something very interesting happens because their proclamation has brought His presence to us. See how that works? His presence brings their proclamation. Their proclamation brings His presence. And finally, His presence (laughs) brings peace. A peace and an understanding of each one of us as we know Him. Let's take a look at these different things, this message that they bring. First, that His presence is bringing their proclamation. Look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon. See, they're communicating a picture, a profile, if you will, of this God. This one who is from the beginning. See, they're saying one who was not in the beginning, he was from the beginning. Before there was anything, there was God. The one who made the galaxies, who spoke and everything came to being, who stretches out his hand and reaches across from one corner to the other of the universe. The one who was from the beginning, this is the one that they're talking about. This one who was from the beginning, which we have heard. See, this one has spoken to us, says John. He's not some sort of cosmic consciousness, but rather someone who has spoken words that we can understand. The one who has brought the world into being by His word, let there be light, has spoken to us. The scriptures tell us that the voice of the Lord shatters trees. And when He lifts up His voice, the earth melts. The powerful word of the Lord that creates, we have heard it. And indeed, this verse in the Greek is in the perfect tense, this verb. Meaning that this that has happened, his voice continues to reverberate to all of us, us who are there as well. It's not something that just happened there, his voice continues. We have heard it, but we have also seen with our own eyes. I don't know if you remember that wonderful song by Bette Midler. God is watching us, God is watching us, God is watching us from a distance. John is saying, no, 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 we have seen Him with our own eyes. Again, in the perfect tense, this one has come, come to be. And it's not a teaching, it's not a philosophy, it's a person. The one who is eternal has entered humanity. Timeless has inhabited the temporal Limitlessness has been confined to a location. See in the Old Testament. No one could look upon the face of God. Remember, no one can see my face. God says to Moses, because if you do, you will die. But this person, John, is saying, we have looked upon him. See, I says twice we have seen him. We have looked upon him as a small child in a manger, growing up as a twelve-year-old in the temple, and doing miracles as he walked among us showing us the kingdom of God. We've not only heard Him, we have not only seen Him, we've not only looked upon Him, but we have touched Him. See, why are all of these things being said by John? Because there's these people, as there are now, going around to say, no, 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 this was a mirage. It was an illusion. You can't touch God. You can't feel Him. He is from far away. You are sinful and He is holy. But they say, no, we have seen Him. And touched him. We have touched the nails. We have touched his side. We have leaned upon his shoulder. We have seen him and touched him. This one who is called the Word of Life. What if life spoke? What would it say? Certainly not to bring words of death, would it? What if life spoke into our own lives? That's what John is saying. The word of life has spoken and has been made manifest. We have seen it, says John, and we testify to it. See, these ones, John and his disciples, have come to bring this word. Because Jesus has said, what I have told you, go and make disciples. Teaching them everything I have commanded you to obey, and I will be with you. See, we have the reason these people are going... John in writing these letters is because they're saying we have seen him and you haven't. See, Jesus hasn't, I have never touched Jesus, not physically. I've never heard his physical words. But Jesus came in a specific time to communicate a specific message for these people to testify. And indeed, if we read the uh, uh, the New Testament in the book of Acts where this message is trying to be squelched, they say we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard for we understand that this one we have touched has come not just for ourselves but for you as well i remember as a eight year old probably standing in line with my father a line that felt like it went a mile long to see this new movie that had come out. came out it was called star wars or star wars it was fantastic you know everybody wanted to see it no one had ever seen anything like this and I asked my dad to take it, and so there was my sister and I holding my dad's hands. And as we went in, we saw the movie, we learned about this thing called the force. This force, this energy that flows around, that seems to be able to control everything. It's a life energy that holds everyone together. Everything. And there's a specific group of people that can tap into this force. This nameless, faceless force that is powerful. See, that's kind of like God for most of us, is There's this force. We're not quite sure how to activate it. It seems to only be for a specific group of people who are the Jedis, the disciples. But for the rest of us, we really don't quite understand it. But that's not what John is saying. He's saying this thing that is far away has come near, And this thing is not a force. It's not aimless, it's not faceless, it's a person. See, we want to be comfortable with God, but God has come uncomfortably close. God is watching us from a distance, but God says, no, 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 come into your world. And He has come so that the disciples could peer into His face, and the disciples and Jesus Himself invites us to peer into God's face as well. See, if God has revealed Himself, we must be willing to do the same. He is real. He's invaded time and space. And so we can do two things. One, we can go on our way, hear this message, and put it in a box, and become comfortable with this force. Or we can come uncomfortably close to Jesus. We can listen and search and look. Because Jesus' presence has brought their proclamation. And if we listen and peer into their proclamation, it will bring His presence. This is point number two, that proclamation brings His presence. You know, when you think about it, why is it so important that these uh, disciples testify about this one? You know, Jesus had this constant message, didn't He? Go and tell. Go and communicate. Go and hear the message. Why does He do that? Why would they sacrifice their life to communicate this? Because the proclamation that they have brings His presence. They have touched Him, but we have not. They have seen Him with their own eyes, but we have not. You have to ask the question, by the way, why why haven't I gotten to see Him? Why didn't I live back there? Why doesn't Jesus continue to manifest Himself in this way that we could touch him ourselves that we would know and the reason can only be one thing that the proclamation that they have to bring is sufficient to bring the presence of Jesus Christ into our lives see there are two ways to meet Jesus one is physically as they did and the other is spiritually Jesus in fact said it's better that I go away because if I go away, I will come back and I will not only be with you, but I will be in you. The proclamation, us who have the Holy Spirit can be every bit as close and united to Jesus as those disciples. Still, we say, but if I had seen it, it would be totally different. The truth is, no, it wouldn't. Because Jesus walked by a bunch of people and they never turned their neck once. They weren't seeing. They were looking for somebody. It's not this ordinary man. It was only those who had eyes to see. The same is with us. How do we appropriate the presence of Jesus Christ into our lives? It's by faith. Romans 10. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Jesus, by His spoken word, has woven His presence into His written word. His physical presence is in His Word, in His spiritual presence. And somehow, mystically, in a way that we don't understand, the living Word is proclaimed in the written Word. The Scriptures even tell us that the Word is living and active. It penetrates to our hearts. It's in His written Word. And that's why 1 John says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Notice the words. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And this fellowship is with Jesus Christ. They're saying, come into the fellowship with God through hearing the proclamation of the message. We have done this, Also to you, so that you too would have fellowship. It doesn't say you might have. It doesn't say you will have. It says that you may have. This fellowship awaits for us who believe the message. One of the books, you know, we have kids, and it's fun uh, because they get books all the time, read them, and sometimes I read them too, you know, because they're really interesting. I guess our books were boring, you know, Hardy Boys and. But they they got the series by this person named Cornelia Funk. Is that the right way to say it? That's a great name, Cornelia Funk. She wrote the series, and the first book was called Inkheart. Very neat concept. There's basically these books, and people who have special abilities, when they write things into the books, whatever is written comes to life. And it's a story of good and evil as things are written into the book, and they come to life as they are read. I think it was turned into a movie. I thought that's a beautiful picture of this living Word, Jesus who is in His Word, that has been written for you and me. See, the Bible is God speaking. It's God's presence. His Word is alive. And so the message is for us. By reading this Word, He speaks and He reveals and He instructs. Jesus came to give us so much more than information came to give us transformation. So how can we experience the presence of Christ by faith? You now one of the most dangerous things you can do is say to God, show me yourself, and to open God's word, and to begin to read. The opportunity is here for you and me. It doesn't matter if you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're poor, it doesn't matter if you speak Spanish or English. The word has been translated and resonates across time and space. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you desire to see this one Jesus Christ, with the same eyes as the disciples, you must seek with hopefulness that God has a message for you and wants to speak to you if you will come uncomfortably close to him and his word. We must seek with hopefulness, but we must also seek with diligence. You know, heaven knows how to put a right price on its goods. Do you seek the Lord? Remember the people coming to Jesus? I want to be with you, but first I need to do this and this and this. No, no, anyone who comes after me must take up his cross and follow me. For whoever does not be willing to give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Is it any different with God's word that I, being his disciple, come to him and say, I will follow you. Teach me about yourself. Teach me how I am to live. To take time and be diligent and quiet. So hard to be quiet in this world, isn't it? To pray to Him and to hear Him speaking to us. We must speak with hopefulness, we must speak with diligence, but we must seek with carefulness. You know there are other books out there that say I can interpret this book for you that are imposters, fake books that seek to lead us off the path. We must seek with carefulness. You know, that's really why the church exists. That's why people like me go to school. To help our body as a group and other folks be raised up as elders. To see God's word for what it is. And to prevent from those people who would give a false voice. Because if we seek his proclamation, if we listen to it, we will receive God's presence. And we will come to know them all. Every bit as deep as those who saw Him face to face. This brings me to my final point, that if His presence brings their proclamation, and their proclamation brings His presence, His presence brings us each into each other's presence. Notice how the writer says at the end, we write these things so that you too may have fellowship with us and our fellowship with Uh, Jesus Christ. Now the question you have to ask is, well, which fellowship is it? Is it with the people or is it with Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. It's both of them. Because it makes perfect sense that if the scriptures bring us close to Christ, they would bring us close to each other or being brought closer to God as well. See, the centrality of the fellowship, of true fellowship, is Jesus. Jesus is the one who transforms community. Remember, Jesus said a new commandment I give you. That you love one another. Not just loving your enemies, loving one another. Even deeper than you love, if that could be such a thing. Jesus says to have special regard and to love uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Not that we don't love others, but let us do good to all people. Especially to those who belong to the family. See, as we seek God and He seeks us, we began to see as He sees. We began to see through His eyes what He thinks about Chuck and Barry and Rico and all sorts of different people and Darla. We start to get the right eyes because as we see him rightly, we see one another rightly. See, without Jesus, there's no community. Without Jesus in the church, there's no fellowship, there's no church. Without Jesus in your family, there's no family. Without Jesus in your marriage, there's no marriage. And thus John is writing to say, you're writing you these things to make our joy complete. What Jesus is calling for is no less than a transformation of all relationships. Between us and him, and between us and one another. There are plenty of people and places and even churches that say, the true thing that's important is that we're unified. As long as we're together, as long as we're loving one another, everything's going to be okay. It's not true. Jesus is the only one who can bring us all together. It's only His presence that can bring each of us into each other's presence. Do you want to love your spouse? Put Jesus in the center of your marriage. Do you want to love your family? Put him in the middle. How do I do that? Make him first and read his words as he speaks to you. What does the Bible tell us? What we must believe about God and what God requires of us, as the Westminster Short Catechism says. My hope for this church, my friends, and I'll close with this, is that Jesus would be smack dab in the center of it. You know, we're not flashing. We're just meeting in the cafeteria at the end of the day. We don't have it all together. Your pastor's a little goofy, let's be honest. okay? But this isn't about me. It's not even about you. It's about him. Him who sought you and has brought you here. is feeding you and growing you. The last thing I want for you guys to do is hear a great sermon and then go home. And sort of put your faith here. And never get in that quietly assume with him in his words to listen as his presence speaks to you if we are doing that and growing in our faith individually i guarantee you we'll be growing in our faith together Lord. and people will see the love that we have for one another and they will want to be a part of that jesus has come to the disciples so that they may proclaim his presence we must hear the proclamation and wish for his presence in our hearts. And we must apply his presence to our presence with one another. This is the beauty of the gospel. Jesus says, Behold, I make you, all things new. Christ has come into our midst. And we seek him with all of our hearts. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence and your voice that resonates across time and space. That you have come and therefore nothing can ever be the same. Lord, give us the faith to peer deeply into your words. To believe. Open our eyes and our hearts. That we could experience your grace and the fullness of your presence. As by your Holy Spirit, you speak to us and reassure us. And through prayer, we speak back to you. We want to know you and for your relationship with us to be the most intimate, the most beautiful, the most uh, glorious thing, Lord. And we pray that our church would be centered around that as well. Lord, help us to not uh, miss the important, Lord, for the urgent. Let you be firmly ensconced in the throne of our lives in this church. All of this we pray in Christ's name.